I'm going to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that uh, uh, where any two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, you are here, Lord. We just thank you for your anointing. We just thank you for a grace for your word to be quickened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So one of the things this morning I just wanted to emphasize, it's very easy for us to get overly familiar with something and end up, you can't see the wood for the trees. And so God understands our condition, especially when He calls us to continually remember. Why does the Lord call us to remember? Because we forget, okay? He says, don't forget, forget not of His benefits, but we tend to. One of the things is that um, it's very easy to obscure what God wants us to know. It's very easy through familiarity, through culture, through emotional filters, to obscure the key communication from heaven to earth, and that is the whole counsel of Scripture. Uh, From Genesis to Revelation is all about a man and his name is Jesus. Every single book, whether literally or in type or shadow, talks about Jesus, points to Him, promises Him, says what's available in Him, and I've had a lot of discussions with my father and, 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 and different people recently. And at the end of the day, whether Catholic, Protestant, uh, 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 you know, uh, Methodist, Calathumpian, whatever, is that the, the common ground is Jesus. That God, the incarnation, God became a man and dwelt among us and died sacrificially for the earth in order to restore heaven to a fallen orphan planet. So what's interesting is that when in the, in, the, in the Holy Ghost is you keep looking into it, you magnify it. And when you can look into something and you focus on it, you magnify it, you can actually see manifestation. There was a time where the prophet said, he got the promise of rain and he said to a servant, look out on the horizon, what do you see? He says, I see nothing. And he said, look again, I see nothing. Look again, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And there's something where we are called in this lifetime, especially to look again, to look again, because it might be the third look, the fourth look, the the 50th look, and then all of a sudden things start to open to us in the realm of the supernatural. And so we don't want to obscure heaven's major communication, and that is Jesus. That is Jesus. You know, can you imagine being on the Mount of Transfiguration? Uh, You're Peter, James, or John. And so what do you do when you go up to a mountain with the Lord and the glory manifests? You have a sleep, don't you? So they have a bit of a nana nap and they're up in the glory. And then all of a sudden, Peter, whether he was the first one to wake up or was the self-designated spokesperson, he got so excited because they were singing to the realm of the Spirit and Jesus was shining, uh, just pure light. But also with him was Moses and Elijah. And it pretty much says, Peter, not knowing what to say, he said. How many people are like that? I don't, not knowing what to say, I said. <laughs> so he said, wow. He said, this is good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, three places of worship. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. And then God the Father got involved. And he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. So when we have Jesus, not just front and centre, but completely encompassing everything, 
then you can actually focus and you can then start to sustain focus brings magnification. Magnification brings a level of manifestation. This is why you don't have to shut down the message of the gospel, you just have to obscure it. So let us just, just quickly journey through the promises because rather than going through something historic and go, yes, we remember, it completely is connected to now and now is completely connected to all of our personal destiny. When we always push something into the future or something happened in the back, yes, that's nice and I'm just gonna get on with my life. No, 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 there's an invitation into the realm of faith and it's called the now. That's what, the, that's what the, the, the whole counsel of Scripture in the Spirit of God is bringing us into that place. It says, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel for it is the power of God to those who believe. When you believe, you see the power. And so we start all the way back in Genesis. If we could put that up, please. It was a promise. It was a promise that, that, that the serpent was cursed and he said, uh, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity or division between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall, the seed of the woman, that is Jesus, shall bruise or crush your head, but you and you shall bruise his heel. And it shows here, if you were to choose, what would you prefer? Your head crushed or your heel crushed? That's not a hard one. He's sort of like, oh, I'm not sure. If you had to think about it, then maybe your head's already crushed. So what we have, we have <laughs> pause and meditate. <clears throat> so what we, what we have here is we have a showdown between darkness and light, and it's not even gonna be close. It's gonna be comprehensive. It's not gonna be this armrest will go into eternity. It's gonna happen quickly. And it came through the work of Jesus on the cross. So we have all the way back in Genesis, that promise of a saviour to crush the dominion of darkness. And there will be, it will cost him, it will cost him his life. And he did, he suffered vicariously on the cross for us. So then we have, we, then we go down to, to Deuteronomy. And Moses was a pretty impressive, who knows that Moses had a pretty impressive ministry? All right, you know, enemy, armies, death, Red Sea, no problem. That's a good ministry, okay? We're hungry, we're complaining. Um, okay, we're gonna manifest food. We're gonna manifest water, that's a pretty good ministry. But Moses understood his place. He was to point to something greater and we see this in Deuteronomy. And he said, and they were all waiting for this, the, the whole Jewish nation. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Even Moses knew that he was pointing to something greater. So we've got the promise of Jesus' comprehensive victory over darkness. And we got also as well, Moses saying there's going to be a prophet, him you shall hear. Then we have after that, we have Isaiah. We have a very, very unusual uh, uh, um, situation that says, therefore, the, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name should be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And it's sort of like, you know, in the midst of this happening, we see recorded in the book of Luke, is that Mary, and who knows, she probably, according to tradition, probably mid-teens, different world back then, okay? She was engaged or betrothed to Joseph. But a virgin being found with child, it's like, yeah, come on. That's a likely story. To the point, there were rumours about the fact is that Mary was pregnant, but it didn't ha that, that, that there was such unbelief around it. She actually, she, she, she can see through the Holy Spirit by the manifestation of the Archangel Gabriel. It's quite a sign. 
I mean, that is a crazy sign. So we have this promise of, 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 this, of the, the, the seed of the woman destroying darkness and there'll be a little bit of collateral damage from, from his behalf, but it'll be comprehensive. He'll crush the serpent's head. Then we have a, 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 a Moses, as amazing as his ministry was, pointing to someone so superior and far greater. Then we have this sign will be, this sign will be there'll be a, a virgin found with child. And then we have after that Isaiah. And this is quite a lot, very, very magnificent prophecy. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So again, it's one thing to read the Bible and read the prophetic words and go, yeah, that's really great. But we need to read it in such a way we are in that picture. Paul talked about his, he said, my gospel. He said, he talked about his gospel, Paul's gospel, his, his Jesus. And what we tend to do, we tend to create a separation as we're spectators and go, yeah, good prophecies, well, interesting, you know, Christ. But the whole of the Word of God, the counsel of the Word of God is to pull us to engage with the now and see ourselves. One of the things that's really, really challenging in this day and age is a lot of people, especially the church, waiting for another massive event to happen, whereas we probably haven't really understood the event that's already taken place, that is God became a man, died on the cross, and we are now invited to enter in to a place of the Spirit of limitless opportunities and possibilities. And, and, and understand that place of human agency. We're not just, as Westerners, we tend to just look at something and just go, hmm, that's interesting. But the whole counsel of Scripture isn't just about Jesus. It is, it is humanity's place and that human agency. It's not just some cosmic pantomime show that we were to look at, but when it says the government will be on His shoulders, we need good men, good women who have faith in Christ to be involved in government. We need good men and good women to be involved in every tier of society and not just get in a holy huddle behind a picket fence and believe the world's gonna come to us. Of the government, of, of, the, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So now it starts to pull us into the picture and we start to see this promise of a Saviour coming is so significant, but when you see Jesus, you've got to see yourself. You've got to see yourself with Him and in Him and connected to Him and serving Him. The next one's interesting, Malachi, just before the, just before the Lord went a little bit quiet on His people, for good reason. Malachi, right at the end of the Old Testament, but to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. And you should go out and grow, grow fat like a stall-fed car, like stall-fed calves. Now that's not talking about Christmas lunches and this time of year. This is talking about being nourished and healthy in, 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 the things, in, in, in the things of the kingdom. And if you happen to be physically well nourished, great. Um, but that's not necessarily what it's talking about. So now it even includes healing. And for those of those, no, we've seen all sorts of healings happen in Jesus' name. We've seen uh, 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 people healed of cancer. Uh, we've seen uh, people healed of, of incurable situations again and again and again and again. Because when you put yourself in the picture with Jesus, what happens is you draw on the grace and the ability of the kingdom of heaven and you become part of the solution. This is what's so exciting. So 
We have all those. Uh, uh, I just want a, a, a quick mention, and we don't have it up here, but heaven wanted to communicate so specifically that the most significant event in history was God becoming a man and dying for the sin of the world. So those who put their faith in that man, that his name is Jesus, they would receive eternal life. So in Daniel chapter nine, again, Gabriel appears and gives Daniel a specific, they call it the 70 weeks of years prophecy. And it's, and it's very, very involved, but basically is that from that prophetic, from, from, from when it was proclaimed, I think a little bit after actually, up until it actually pinpointed the very week of the triumphal entry when Jesus went into Jerusalem to die on the cross. 70 weeks of years. God wanted His covenant people to know, that includes you and me now, but especially back then the Jews, that I'm gonna pinpoint it down to the very, very week where my son will come and die on the cross. So we don't wanna obscure anything. We don't wanna have Moses, Elijah, Abraham, uh, 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 Apostle Paul, Peter, and Jesus just in the midst of it. We want to not obscure who He is, but we want to magnify and exalt who He is. Because that's when we start to see the Kingdom of Heaven manifest. That's when we see things manifest. Okay. Now, out of all of this, there are two lessons today I think the Holy Spirit wants us to lay a hold of. Why did God do something the way He did it? So you've got this nation in anticipation. You've got the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you've got the Sanhedrin, you've got the high priests. You've got all their interactions with the, with the governing power bodies of Rome, Pilate, all the way through Herod. And so there was a level of knowledge that there is a Messiah coming, a Messiah manifesting. He's the one, he's the prophet like Moses, but instead of listening to Moses, we're gonna be listening to this Messiah. And this is quite an incredible story. Let's read it from Luke chapter two, verses eight to 20. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping a watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. It's not just a bright light, we're talking glory here. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good, uh, uh, good news, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So not the Hilton, okay? And suddenly there was with the angel and then their eyes were open. And, uh, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in, the, in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So here you have this incredible prophecy of this Saviour to the, to the earth, not just to the Jewish nation because Jesus came to the Jews first. 
And by and large, he was rejected. Some followed him, but it wasn't until the day of Pentecost we saw an explosion through the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven invade, invade the earth. It doesn't say he's just gonna do, he's gonna do something atmospherically, even though it does talk about pillars of fire and smoke. But it says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. The key now, the gates of heaven come through flesh, come through people. What we tend to do is we push it off there. That's an event, that's nice. But, but God wants to, the, the human agency is indispensable to see the goodness and the love of God manifest on the earth. So why did, why did with, with, with all this anticipation of this nation, even though there was a prophetic period of silence before that, why, why did God visit, not through the Sanhedrin, not through the, the high priest, but He visited shepherds in a field in obscurity and not just said, not just like, and I don't wanna hose down or make a differentiation between any supernatural encounter, but we're talking, God showed off, an angel appeared and then they, they could saw them. I mean, we're talking like, that was great, but can you imagine what the shepherds saw? Maybe, maybe millions, infinitely going back into different dimensions and the glory of God to the point they were afraid. And God visited them, why? I believe the key is this, humility. If, as running this church, if I feel that it is inevitable that God speaks through me more than others, I've missed it. God manifests to humble hearts. He manifests to hearts that have integrity, hearts that are hungry, and so it's interesting, he didn't proclaim it to the religious hierarchy. Now, don't get me wrong, God uses leaders and ministers. But here we see something so profound and holy is that there is no hierarchy in the kingdom like we think there is on an ecclesiastical level, is that God visits people who are humble. And this is a virtue that is disappearing quickly with the early onset of cultural narcissism. You know, unless I take a picture and post it, it never happened and it's not real. And it's, you know, social media has its massive advantages, it really, really does. But what we have here is God visited shepherds doing their job out in a field and then they became the chief agency, at least initially, for the, for the spreading of the fulfilment of the prophetic word. Shepherds. How much more should we be encouraged if we, make, if, if we walk closely with the Lord in humility, He'll show us things. I can't, just because I have a microphone in my hand and I'm leading a church, I can't assume that it's gotta come through me. That's pride, that's presumption and it's error. But I find it amazing, the most profound, the most profound, well probably uh, less, than, less than Jesus dying on a cross, but the most, up to that point, the most profound event in eternity, God becoming a baby, actually was visited through shepherds working out, very, very blue collar, very working class, because it would have been predestined because they were shepherds, it's because of their state of heart. So we see the kingdom of God and the gospel actually manifest through gates of humility. So then we have another, another uh, uh, quick account is uh, in Matthew. And uh, let's put, read this one. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. So that's uh, uh, we get the, the word magi, okay? And some people, it's, 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 it's postulated, okay? So it's not that concrete, it's anecdotal. Believe that these people were influenced by Daniel. And hundreds of years, there was, there was a, 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 a sort of like an order of people who were hungry to know the truth. And that yet they might not have been in covenant with God. So now after, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. So God didn't reveal it to the king. And when he'd gathered all the chief priests and scribes together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They did know the scripture. They did know it was Bethlehem. When they heard the king, they departed, the wise men, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Just, just keep that there. I want you to think how abstract it is for people of stature, equity, and ability to fall down in front of a baby and worship the baby. That's, that, that, they're seeing something that most people don't. To be worshipping a baby. Think about it. And it's quite possibly because they were already seeking, because they were tapped into some level of knowledge and wisdom, they probably had insight into those. Think, think about the realm of the Spirit around that manger. If you thought the first, second, great, third awakening was amazing, if you thought Toronto, Pensacola, Brownsville, think about what was taking place in the Spirit around that manger. And yet there would have been hard hearts in the area not comprehending it, just going, oh, that's interesting. And yet those wise men came and they bowed down and worshipped a baby because they knew, I mean, I mean you, you can only comprehend it so much. <sighs> Why did God move through the shepherds? Because of humility. And then you think about God, how much humility it would take for the infinite creator of the universe to become a baby. That's why God gives grace to the humble. It's why He gives grace to the humble. He visits the humble. The thing we have to stay away from is pride and arrogance. And so now you've got these wise men just in awe that they get to worship God while He's in that baby form. That, that, that just is mind-blowing. And he, again, He wasn't in the Hilton or He didn't get brought up in the palace. He was in a manger. Okay? I mean, can you imagine like that's probably... The first you go to imply in the New Testament, well, it's still Old Testament, but can you imagine, the, can you imagine Mary saying, now you have booked the hotel, haven't you? <laughs> he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what we do. Like, yeah, 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 yeah means no. <laughs> Not yet, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah means I'm planning to and I have in my head, but maybe I haven't made the call. <laughs> and then here we are in a manger and the glory of God preordained the, the humility of, of, of the love of the Father and you've got the Son manifest in that setting and so that the, the wise men are worshipping this baby because they get it. And yet why did God go through them, go through the shepherds but bypass the religious hierarchy? 
And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So you've got this incredible story where God's manifested through shepherds because of humility. And I'm not saying God's humble, okay? I'm not saying that, but, but humility from a human perspective actually reveals part of the nature of God. God's not proud and arrogant. God is love. God, love does not parade itself. Love does not boast. Love forgives, love believes. So here we have the incarnation of this infinite loving God into human form, mind blowing. Yet it bypassed, it bypassed the religious structure of the day. And so we know, we know that God wants to use all people, but if we're arrogant and proud, He might bypass us. If we're humble and believe, we qualify. But here you have God even had to go outside of His own covenant people to actually find people who understood. We can get so familiar with the biblical narrative and the gospel, we cannot eventually see the wood for the trees. This is why this is a virtue. This next scripture is a perpetual station, a perpetual virtue, and that's this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. Hang on. For everyone who asks receives. Yet people go, I've prayed and that hasn't happened yet. We might need to find out what biblical prayer is. Because Jesus says, for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. It says in Romans, Romans is, a, is an amazing book, but it treats us very gently. It says, let God be true and every man a liar. Very gentle. If you, if you come to God with your ego, uh, let God be true and every man a liar. For everyone who asks receives and, the, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. So the wise men had this, 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 we need to know. We're hungry for the truth. We need to know. And outside of covenant, you got, so did you know that outside of the church, there is a massive percentage of the world, whether secretly, covertly or overtly are pressing into truth. They want to know. There are people out there, there are people out there, they are looking for what they call, for what is written in Scripture, the desire of all nations. And so even these people were so hungry, even though they were probably outside of the covenants and oracles of God, they were given a heads up. I mean, we're not just talking like, oh, there's a new star in the constellation. Good luck triangulating that down to one manger. You know, you end up bumping into houses and trees and camels, you know, palms and all this sort of stuff. It's that they followed the, 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 the star. That was personally revealed to them. And this is a virtue we need to know. Okay, I'll tell you why. In the West, we don't like waiting. We don't like seeking. We don't like knocking. We don't understand process. We want it instantly. Give it to me now. I want the answers and I'm out of here. And that's not how you engage with the realm of the Spirit or the Kingdom of Heaven. There's got to be, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Did you know that, <clears throat> let's just say <clears throat> you, you have a level of knowledge of God 
and you've done it right for yourself and you're, you know, whatever station in life and, and my kids are following the Lord and oh, it's all good. Did you know that you never, ever, ever graduate from asking, seeking and knocking? Never. The minute you stop seeking, asking, knocking, you're instantly old. If you wanna stay young, keep learning. If you wanna stay youthful, keep hungering. For those who don't know, we have an internship. This isn't a free ad, by the way. How, how old's our, our oldest intern? 90. No, we, we have an intern who's hungry to know more of God. And she, she comes every week here, 93. And she, she's 93 going on 62. When you when you know, like I've got this, like these, these constructs in my head that are very, very, they don't work. And I, me and Rachel will chat and we'll go, okay, when we get this done and then we'll, you know what, when, there's always another thing for me. That's never gonna stop. They're never gonna stop because you're always magnifying the Lord and you're always actualizing yourself further into the next, whatever God's showing. But the point I wanna make is this, in the West we go, yes, I know the biblical narrative. I know that Christ, it's a baby in the manger. And yes, I know that God visited through the shepherds and brought revelation through the wise men of the East. And I know that He died on the cross. Well, here's what's interesting, is that we can become so familiar with it and not understand in the biblical paradigm, you only know something once you can manifest it. Just having mental ascent knowledge like your times tables or how to spell something. See, biblical knowledge is knowing with the heart. And this morning, um, now I want you to get ready. Now I haven't got this down. Could you just, I'll give you a few moments. Can you just, uh, Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Don't put it up yet, but just find it. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. This is what's powerful. And this is, this, is, this is the currency. You know, like I've got, I've got a tertiary degree, great, done Bible college, great, tick, tick. But cognitive intellect is not a very, very high currency in the kingdom of heaven. God looks at the heart. And so when we, we study something, yes, I know that, we don't know it until we manifest it. You know, I know I'm co-crucified with Christ, I know that, do we? Or is it a teaching? And this is where the kingdom of heaven has to manifest in humble hearts that don't act like they know it all. You know, it says in the last days I pour my flesh and all spirit. So you guys know, a lot of people here have visions and dreams and encounters. If you have an encounter with the Lord and the Lord's speaking to you, if you wanna stop that encounter really quick, like pump the brakes, finish, lift and go, whoa. When the Lord says to you something, you go, yes, Lord, I know. Or you keep asking questions. What do you mean? Why? Show me more. Because there is a currency in the realm of the spirit of hunger. And not just, yes, I know the biblical narrative. The last point I wanna make, as I said earlier, is that we don't wanna obscure Jesus, born of a virgin, sinless, perfect, died, uh, died at Calvary for the world, not for Himself. Technically, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, He'd still be alive today because the wages of sin is death and He didn't sin. 
You know, there'd be a lot more people going to those Israel tours. <laughs> and so we have, you go, wow, that's not obscure. This is incredible. But we need to see that part of the, the, the Christmas story narrative or the gospel, we have to see ourselves in. We have to, when we read it, we have to step in. And it starts with mental acknowledgement, but it, it, it actually is actually the heart. So if we can put up Colossians, and this is where it gets crazy. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's so easy to push something into the future. And God says, no, 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 no. Or, or, or see as an external event is that God wants to see you in that picture. He wants to see you. It says actually those who've received Christ, as many as received Him, He gave them the right to become children of God. But not just that, it says those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with Him. So you look at this incredible narrative of a baby in a manger being proclaimed, limitless amounts of angels. If we're gonna get very specific and pedantic, it'd say 10,000 times 10,000, but that's more of an idiom to be honest. But then you have, what happens is God then, rather than look at it as something amazing, then God, heaven looks at us and looks at our heart and says, the heaven's invitation is, I wanna be one with you. I want you to be part of this story. In a minute, what we're going to do is we're gonna have communion. Can we put some pads on, please? That'd be great. Uh, uh, worship pads. Uh, uh, um, and uh, what we're going to do, and don't, don't, before you get your Christmas presents out, because the people that are here everywhere, they're sort of like, oh, sorry. no, no, not yet, not yet. What I'm gonna do is this. In a second, I'm gonna invite us to pray together corporately. Knowing this, don't push the gospel narrative out there somewhere. It's actually... God wants it to manifest here. And it actually says, did you know that when you understand the power of words, words actually create covenant. Words actually can create contractual, contractual realities. And God wants us today, I mean, there's so much presence of the Lord and the anointing and those, those hymns that we sung earlier but what I'm gonna, in a second, I'm gonna invite us to pray together as, a, as an assembly right now. And we're going to talk to the Lord and we're gonna say, Lord, yes, I wanna be part of this. I wanna experience Christ in me, the hope of glory. Can we stand to our feet, please? What we're gonna do is we're just gonna affirm what God has done and invite Him in a greater degree into our life. Close your eyes and want you to look to the Lord. You know what it actually says in the Bible? It says lifting up holy hands without anger, without doubting. When we pray, I wanna invite you guys to raise your hands to heaven. So can you do that? Look to the Lord and I want you to repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' Name, thank You for sending Your Son to die for me. Jesus, I thank You and I believe you are the Son of God who died for me. I ask You to cleanse me and forgive me of every sin. And I ask You to live inside of me. Holy Spirit, I need Your help. You're my teacher, You're my guide. And I give myself to hunger 
and to seek and to know You. In Jesus' Name. Everyone said Amen. Take your communion and let's have communion together. Now you know why I said Christmas presents. Listen to that. ourselves in that biblical narrative now we thank you you want us to lay a hold of the now Lord it says even Ecclesiastes you have set eternity into the heart of man so right now we thank you we take this communion in honour of you in remembrance but also to empower and quicken us in Jesus name Amen service for the year so you have a, a great safe Christmas break um, uh, we have well some of you we have our service this afternoon of course we do yes yes here and, and in, uh, in the country so um, otherwise uh, remember it's our last Sunday morning service uh, until the 8th on the 8th we only have um, the morning service here and then we're going to do a combined afternoon meeting at Munta that'd be great and so uh, we'll just finish there. And if you could just put the uh, announcements up, just, just sort of like for the next minute or two, just different announcements, water baptisms. Pierre will be down here making himself available for all those people who want to get baptised in water and any details regarding uh, Kids Church. So otherwise, have a great day and we'll uh, speak to you soon.